y'all. Welcome to Southern Bells. Hey, y'all. It's Brittany and Beth. So, we're glad that you could join in with us today to listen. Again, if you're interested, you can follow us on Facebook at Southern Bells Faith, Food, and Fitness. And we hope that you enjoy today's episode. Hey, so today's episode of Prayer Pocket has been laid on my heart as my dear friend Beth has been sharing her segments, um, the women of faith and the women of the Bible, to kind of um, do a little breakaway of that and talk a little bit about recovery, right? So recovery looks different for everyone depending on what you're going through. About a year and a half ago, I purchased a Bible called the Life Recovery Bible, and I bought the um, Life Recovery Journal. Those are by Stephen A-R-T-E-R-B-U-R-N, Arterburn, and David Stoop, S-T-O-O-P. I started out doing this as a Bible study to help me with my food addiction, And some people can say, well, how can you be addicted to food? We have to have food to live. That's what makes it such a hard addiction, my friends, is because we do have to have food to live. It's not like cigarettes or alcohol that you can cold turkey quit and still have a successful life. We have to have food. But with that being said, we have to have nutritious food. And the foods that I was addicted to were not those type of foods, right? So um, that just led me to seek out um, some guidance from God. And I came across this Bible study. thought it might be a good idea to share it with some of you because this week I have also been listening to an audiobook called Made to Crave. And it's phenomenal. If you struggle with something um, in terms of food addiction or, you know, if you pride yourself by overeating whenever you're emotional or you turn to food um, at different times and you just can't seem to break that cycle, I'm going to encourage you to get that audiobook. Again, it's called Made to Crave. It is an amazing audiobook that is so geared towards this. And hopefully this um, this little segment is going to help you as well. But this week on that audiobook I was listening to, the author made the comment that she was feeling frustrated because so-and-so could eat whatever they wanted to and they didn't gain an ounce. And how sometimes we look at what other people can do in terms of what we can't do or we cannot do it in the same realm that they do it and we get frustrated and we feel defeated and we become angry and bitter and what's that do if we have an addiction to food we turn to that food for comfort we turn to that food as like gluttony and punishment and it's it's awful it's awful my friends it's awful and she said something that I had never really thought about And it's so funny how God uses little tidbits of life to bring things together cohesively. Um, A couple of weeks ago on the way home, uh, my youngest daughter asked me if Satan made sugar. Um, And she was meaning white sugar, 
And the reason we were talking about this is because they know that I struggle with sugar addiction. Um, specifically, like candies and gummies and ice cream and pizza and, you know, things like that. Like, I just love cakes and cookies. Um, but they're not things that our body needs. They're not things that our body thrives on. And she asked me this question and I thought about it and I was like, you know, in a way, yes, but in a way, no. And she said, well, in the Garden of Eden, would the apple have been like candy for us? And it really got me to thinking about that. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, the good sugars that we're supposed to have are the sugars that God created for us, honey and fruits and natural sweeteners. Um, and the man-made things are the product of sin. You think about that in that sense, it, it does bring about reason. It brings about a little bit of understanding. So the author of this audiobook I'm listening to this week kind of made that same point. She said, um, just because so-and-so can eat whatever they want to and they don't gain weight, it's because that's not their fruit that is forbidden to them from the Garden of Eden. Maybe their forbidden fruit is alcohol. Maybe their forbidden fruit is gambling. Maybe, which, I mean, those things, those examples are things that we should not indulge in as well, but maybe it's different for them as it is different for everyone. Not everyone has the same struggles. Not everyone has the same forbidden fruit. And that really struck a chord with me because I thought, wow, I never really thought about it that way. Like, maybe... For me, the forbidden fruit is of the apple. And if I think about the forbidden fruit of sugar as being a symbolic representation of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit that Eve partook of, that sin um, brought about, then maybe that would help me to make a better choice if I was given that circumstance. So this week, I have unconsciously thought that every time like the girls have had something that for me, I choose not to have. Um, but I've also used it to make better decisions. And I've used it to really think more consciously about what I'm having. So I just wanted to kind of maybe start this little segment and... Um, I wanted to go through a little bit of the life recovery and what, you know, recovery stands for. And I'm sure if anybody is familiar with recovery, you're familiar with the, um, the serenity prayer and you're familiar with the, the process of what it means to be in recovery and the serenity prayer is simply this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. You know, you think about the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. 
There's so much that we cannot change, friends. The courage to change the things that we can. What can we change? We can change our environment. We can change our options. If we don't have the temptations in the house, we can't choose them. It's less likely that we're going to drive to the store at 11 p.m. to get whatever it is that we would normally go and grab. Um, we can change our attitude. Maybe it's looking at it as, oh, you're about to partake of the forbidden fruit. Would you choose to do that openly, knowing the consequences? Because how many times do we take of that temptation and have guilt afterwards? Maybe it's not right away. Maybe you think, oh, I deserve this. I've worked really hard. Oh, I deserve this. But then... In the next couple of days, y'all, this just happened to me, so I'm sharing from experience. Um, over the holiday weekend, I allowed myself um, some things that I normally would not. I had s'mores and I had ice cream. And it took me five days of clean eating and focusing on my water and not having the junk to see that extra bloat and inflammation leave my body to where I actually was starting to feel better. So you would think that the next time I would go to reach for those things that I would remember that feeling of yuck and be reminded that I don't want that. But it's not always that simple. It is not always that simple. So the courage to change the things that I can. I do fine when I don't have them in the house. But I'm also learning that I need to be able to control myself, even if they are within my presence, right? So the wisdom to know the difference, the wisdom to recognize what I can control and what I cannot control. The only thing I can truly control is myself. And I can also slightly control my environment. But this um, study Bible also has like a 12-step of life recovery and it's similar to what the 12 steps of the Alcoholics Anonymous use right but I'm just going to share these with you because I feel like they're powerful and over the next several weeks I would like to try to break them down individually and um, maybe talk through them just see what God leads so the first one is we admitted that we were powerless over our problems, that our lives had become unmanageable too. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, we made a decision to turn our wills and our lives over to the care of God. Four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Seven, we humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed, and we became willing to make amends to all of them. Nine, we made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. We continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. 11. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious 
contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to the others and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Friends, the thing about the 12-step program is that there's no set time limit. Like you can't say, well, I'm going to do step one this week. Next week, I'm going to do step two. Uh, I'll do step three then. The The thing about the 12-step recovery program is that you can't move on to the second step or the next step or the next phase until you have completely resolved the stage that you're in. So sometimes you might be in one stage for a day or as soon as you read it, but then you might be in another stage or phase for weeks, maybe even months. If you want me to be perfectly honest, I feel like for me, even though I started this over a year and a half ago, that I am still kind of working through um, the stages of nine and ten where we make amends and we continue to take personal inventory. And in eleven, you know, obviously I can't move on to eleven until I'm completely through those phases because. We're human. We are sinful beings. We're born into sin. And we spend our lifetime constantly taking inventory. Constantly trying to do better if we're Christians. And, well, and sometimes even normal humanity. But that's a different topic. But, um... If you choose to take this journey, you choose to listen in to these recordings, and you choose to try this 12-step recovery, don't expect to just fly through it. You know, don't expect that you're just going to knock off the, the numbers, you know, each day or each week. You might be surprised if you really, truly, honestly, and sincerely dedicate your time to really doing this properly, that you may be in a phase for a while until God opens up your heart and you open up your heart and your eyes and your ears to actually listen to what's being told to you. So, um, when we stop believing the lies of Satan and start believing in the truth of Jesus, that's when we really are going to see those breakthrough moments. I love that in this little book, um, we have to recognize that there's a power greater than ourselves. And the emphasis that they put on that and that they, um, they realize that we, we are capable you know, you can look at the 12 steps of the Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'll share those with you now, and take whatever it may be that you are struggling with, whatever addiction you have. Y'all, sorry if there's little ears listening, but it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be porn, it could be infidelity, it could be gambling, it could be gluttony, it could be eating too much, it could be sugar addiction, it can be a number of things. That we can become addicted to. Cell phones. Social media. Um, you name it. You know, you can make anything have more value than what it should have. 
And you can interject that into where this says alcohol and take these steps to a personal level, which is what you should do. So the 12 steps of the Alcoholics Anonymous program state this. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, come to believe that a power greater than ourselves re could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all of these deficits of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to prove our conscious contact with God as we understand Him, praying for the knowledge and the power to carry them out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, to carry the message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Just as Beth and I have talked about that sometimes we go through things so that we can share with others, I think that's what they mean by number 12 is that don't be afraid to share your shortcomings. Don't be afraid to admit your flaws because they're there. They're there in everybody. We all are human. We all have fall flaws and we all fall down. We all have issues, right? Being able to work on them and admit when you have them is the one of the first steps of admitting that there needs to be a change. Friends, I hope that you will join me on this, um, this journey as we go through this little segment. And um, please feel free to reach out if you need more details on any of the publications that I have mentioned. Um, reach out if you need prayer. Reach out if you need an accountability partner. Reach out if you need resources. We're here to help you all. We're here to um, offer as, as much assistance as we can. Thanks for joining me today, friends. I hope that you have an amazing day. And I, um, I have a couple of prayer requests. We want to continue to remember Beth and her situation and praying for her and her family. Um, we have some local families that are dealing with some things with their father. So one, um, their father was sent home on comfort care measures. So just lift that family up for comfort. Um, you know, we don't know when this gentleman's last day may be. He may outlive them. We don't know. But we do know that he has professed to be a Christian. He has professed to love Jesus. And when he leaves this earth, he will be present with the Lord. And the other family that I'm asking prayer for, a dear friend of mine, her father, um, is getting older and he's fallen. And while his injuries were minimal, we know that those take a toll on us. Not only does it take a toll on us as family members, because then we start to worry and we feel like we need to be there and be present. But 
also on the individual because they feel like they're losing their independence. They feel like they're becoming a burden and we never want them to feel that way. So let's just continue to lift them up in prayer. And my cousin, who we had the t-shirt drive for, um, she has an infection and her family could just really use some prayer. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for this day. Lord, for the blessings that you've given us, Lord, the anointing you have allowed to be placed upon my life today, Lord, that I might share your word, Lord, and that you've guided and directed me to bring forth this word, Lord. Lord God, I pray that it'll just reach out, Lord, that someone will be touched by it, God, that someone's life will be impacted. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you will just be with those families that are struggling tonight, Lord, as they see the life of their loved ones come to a close, Lord, that they also see the joy, Lord. They see the memories and they're able to hang on to them tightly. God, I pray that you will just continue to bless them, Lord. God, we pray for the gentleman who has fallen. We pray that you will just bless him in his spirit, Lord God. We pray that you will just help him to heal, Lord, his soreness that will be minimal, Lord, and that you will just help him to not fall, Lord. God, I pray for my cousin and her family, Lord Jesus. I pray that you will just lift them up, Lord. I pray that this infection will re be rebuked from her body, Lord. We also pray this prayer for Beth. God, we pray that you will just touch her body and heal her, Lord. Be with them, Lord God. We thank you. Lord Jesus, I pray for my aunt and her family, Lord, as they're dealing with some medical issues together, Lord. Um, her grandson and her having troubles with their heart, Lord God. We pray that you will just bless them and be with them, Lord God. God, we are thankful that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, Lord God. And we are thankful that you do give us that lifeline, Lord God, that we can just reach out to you, Lord, when we're in need. And Lord, we praise you for that. We thank you for that, Lord God. And we just ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, have an amazing day. Bye, y'all.